Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. Welcome to episode 26 of Checking the Gate podcast. In our podcast, which we try to put out every month, we talk about shows and their religious content and how they relate to us and to you, our faithful listeners. I am Robert Wright Stasco. And I am Michael M. Patty. And on today's show, we will be discussing Hellboy and Hellboy 2. And in TV Corner, the recent NBC series that may or may not be coming back. Save Me, starring Anne Hesch. Let's get right down to it. Hellboy. I picked this movie because I'm really excited about Guillermo del Toro's new movie that's coming out this month. We're recording uh, June 30th. On July 12th, Pacific Rim comes out. And I'll tell you, I haven't been this excited for a movie since Return of the King. I mean, I can't wait. How do you feel? Indifferent. (laughs) The the movie I was waiting for already came out this year, so, so that was Star Trek. Star Trek Into Darkness, yeah. I totally enjoyed that one. So, Mike, uh, you didn't grow up on a steady diet of Godzilla movies as I did. No. So I am really jonesing for this movie. So, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, a good warm-up to that is, you know, looking at some of Guillermo del Toro's earlier work, including Hellboy in Hellboy 2. So um, let's start with the first one. You want to give us a rundown? I know it's been a while, so you didn't really watch these for this. No. Uh, Hellboy looks like a demon, and Nazis tried to bring him to Earth to rain havoc, but it didn't work, and he ended up in the hands of the Allies. And so now he works for the Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense and is one of the good guys, along with his fish pal Abe Sapien and hot chick pyromaniac Selma Blair and they fight bad guys and John Hurt dies and Hellboy cries and then fights more bad guys and they win. Yes. That's it. Now you don't have to see the movie. They defeat the evil Rasputin and he's trying to bring this Cthulhu-like creature to the earth to reign. Ain't that always the way? Yeah. What's Cthulhu, you might say? What's Cthulhu, Robert? (laughs) Cthulhu is uh, something that is very influential on Guillermo del Toro. You could see this obviously in the first Hellboy, the 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 very tentacled creature that's coming from another dimension. Um, these were first introduced in stories by H.P. Lovecraft. He was an author around the um, turn of the 20th century who sort of in, invented the supernatural horror of the 20th century. There, um, it took it out of the sort of gothic kind of mystery and made it a little more real and a little more creepy and you'd see this a, a lot in Del Toro's work. In fact, in, in researching this, I watched a Lovecraft documentary uh, from Weird Productions. It was on uh, Crackle, if you go look it up. And uh, Del Toro had a few things to say. 
in in the Lovecraft's work, um, the 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 old ones or the Cthulhu, you know, he says uh, there is indifference from the old gods towards man. I'm talking about you know like the Norse gods or the Roman gods, but but Lovecraft takes that theme and he ups the ante to the cosmos. So the cosmos is after it. He says he goes on to say Lovecraft's work is a complex inbreeding of mythologies, where things much older than mankind, much older than Earth are gazing upon us with indifference and cruelty. So there's kind of, like you said, a mythology that he's dipping into there that that sort of in, imbues all of his work. Like, uh, have you seen Pan's Labyrinth? Yes. Great movie. Yeah, it's just very visually stunning. Yes. And you see that in Hellboy, too, that same sort of visual style that, yeah. you know, he really followed that movie up well uh, with Hellboy, too, and sort of gets into that things that are older... Than us. In fact, um, in Hellboy Two, in the the scene where they're in the the Goblin Market, mm-hmm. you see two old ones walking through the market, and they, one of them reaches up and eats one of the tooth fairies that are flying around. They're these great big, kind of cucumber-looking things with tentacles on the top. Blink and you miss them, mm. but they're definitely there. It's a little Easter egg you put in there. But what do you think about the little throwaway things they put in there? Like he, Hellboy has bullets filled with holy water and this thing blessed by the Pope. I think that like Constantine, uh, which for those who don't know, Hellboy is based on a comic book series like Constantine was. And like Constantine, it plays a little fast and loose with actual religious traditions and ceremonies. And it's as much to give the audience, I think, some grounding. The audience who knows that you know, in other movies, holy water has been used as a way to ward off vampires oh, yeah, and demons. Yeah. That's what that's about. <laughs> it, it's completely impractical. I'm not sure how bullets filled with holy water would even work. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I have such a limited knowledge of how real bullets work. If you filled them with liquid, I, I'm... <laughs> Wouldn't they get too hot to have? Wouldn't the liquid? It they probably would explode as soon as yeah, it came out of the gun, yeah. anyways. But but in in comic books, hey, anything goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it it does try and convey that reality, but yeah, it, it has slightly fewer religious inaccuracies than Constantine, only because Constantine actually tried to bring in church stuff, and, and Hellboy didn't. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, listen to our Constantine <laughs> podcast for more about that. I think I may have pointed this out during our Constantine and also during the um, Exorcist podcast where I mentioned the book uh, Film and Religion, an Introduction by Flesher and Tori. And they make a point where they say that, you know, in horror movies, they really assume a spiritual reality where, where God and gods exist angels and demons and all this stuff. Otherwise, you know, if, if you don't assume that's a reality, then your movie doesn't work and the horror isn't there you know you have to have good yeah. to fight the evil you said something to me like god rarely actually shows yeah, up in i was movies. i was looking at an article that came out around the time of hellboy 2 where they were talking about how like what you were saying god has you know god's there and obviously so are demons because there's hellboy but you rarely see god show up and the way that the author of the article Stephen d Gradenus, uh, writing on Christianity Today. I did a little research for this episode because uh, I didn't have time to watch the movies again. <laughs> um, I have seen them both. I own them both. Um, 
uh, he writes that it's, he calls it the Superman problem. They mention all the bad stuff and not so much God is because once God comes in, then, you know, the game's over. Everything's off the table. Just he can snap his fingers and drive all the evil away. So it's up to Hellboy and Jeffrey Tambor and Selma Blair and Doug Jones to rid the world of the evil. But as atheists and other people like to point out, oh, why doesn't God just do that? That's a good question, Robert. Why doesn't God do that? If God is so good, then why does he permit evil to exist? This is a, a theological problem called the problem of evil. The problem, the, the, the <laughs> imaginative name. The answer is, if there is a God, and I'm not discounting the possibility as an agnostic, then he's just as fallible as humans, and we invented his infallibility. But there, I just solved religion. I think that's the second time I've done that on this show. If everybody just believed, you got to keep doing it. If so. everybody just believed that the world would be a better place. And that's what all the atheists say, but... But it's never going to happen because there's a bunch of... Oh, uh, I have, you know, hope s- in my life. Stiff-minded, dunderheaded people who... Like me? Not like you. <laughs> like the Westboro Baptist Church. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about that when we get to save me. That's... Let's put the, the cart in front of the horse. That's... That's putting the rules in front of the sentiment which you're supposed to be following. More on that later. Yes. But yeah, in um, in Hellboy two, get ready, folks. I have a feeling TV Corner is going to go on for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, we're almost there. Uh, we're halfway through the movies here. Uh, Hellboy two picks up where the last one left off. They ditch the boring character who was supposed to be Hellboy's yeah. babysitter. He is not missed. And they, <laughs> yeah, they give the incomparable Jeffrey Tambor more screen time, which was, I think, a good thing. Um, then they Always. have this. Hey uh, now. Yeah, and then, and then they have uh, uh, a new character, this uh, uh, a German ghost in the suit, voiced by Seth MacFarlane. Seth MacFarlane of uh, uh, Family Guy fame, or and Infamy, depending <laughs> on your point of view. <laughs> That's a show we sh- probably shouldn't do. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I am not watching Family Guy for this podcast. Uh, but anyways, um, you don't pay me enough. To yeah. watch any Family Guy. You're right. I'll double your pay. <laughs> <laughs> Two times zero is still nothing. <laughs> you got a deal. <laughs> but anyways, where was it? Oh, yes, Hellboy 2. It starts out, Hellboy's living with his literally hot girlfriend. She catches a place on fire every time they have a fight. I suppose that could yeah. be worse. And this uh, ancient elven prince uh, comes to get his revenge on humanity for spoiling the earth. And so Hellboy has to fight him and his golden army, hence the name Hellboy 2, the Golden Army. Um, this is an army of robots built by goblins, and they have to find all the parts of the crown so they can control it. It's a little, the MacGuffin's a little contrived, but... Yeah, it's, the second one is not as good as the first one. Yeah, but it has some really fantastic action sequences, uh, especially in the middle where... Abe and Hellboy sing... Uh, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. No, I'm not talking about that. I almost said Neil time. I'm like, that's not right. No, 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 no. No, not that part. It's talking about how Hellboy 2 was a good follow-up from Pan's Labyrinth. His new movie, Pacific Rim, follows up on Hellboy 2 because you notice the giant kaiju plant that he fights in the middle of that. 
It, it, it oh yeah, so. yeah, it's yeah. It's like four or five stories tall and wrecks havoc, and and then the giant robots he fights at the end, giant <laughs> monsters and giant robots. We knew it was coming. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Settle down. <sighs> it's okay. But yeah, but th- you know the the fight scene that was uh, at the end where he's fighting those robots. That was fun. And then he has the duel to the death of the prince. You know, over who gets to rule the robots, and and then they destroy the army, and then they quit the bureau and live happily ever after. And oh, and another thing in the end part of the movie when they first go to Ireland to find the place where the golden army is hidden, they like I said, they go to Ireland and they find what's called a portal tomb. These things are real structures in England. You find them all over the place. They're sort of like mini Stonehenges. Um, usually like three rocks with like a fourth rock set on top of it. It's kind of like a triangular structure. They're called portal tombs because the scientists now believe that there were like tombs that were made in Neolithic times. But folklore has it that these structures or entrances to the fairy world. So Guillermo del Toro picks up on that, and they descend down to the, the kingdom of the fairies where the the golden army is hid. So I, I don't know, maybe we'll see more of this kind of thing in Hellboy 3. They have yet to make Hellboy 3. Yeah, I heard it's supposed to be a trilogy. I, I refuse to believe it's never going to happen. I mean, for crying out loud, they're making a new Independence Day movie. Yeah, I saw that too. Why? I guess... I, Cha-ching! What what else do Bill Pullman and Jeff Goldblum have to do? Is Will Smith not in it, or did did After Earth suck that much that Roland, they told him no, to no, take no. a walk? No, no, no. Roland Emmerich is deliberately not putting him back in in a main part because he's too famous and too expensive. It uh, would be a Will Smith movie. He might be in it in a cameo, is what he said. However, this is Roland Emmerich talking. The idiot what brung you the day after tomorrow. And... The Matthew Broderick Godzilla? Yes, I believe so. Which we in the Godzilla world don't call him Godzilla. We call him Gino, which stands for Godzilla in name only. So, <laughs> Is this just going to be a, the kaiju episode, the I'm, second kaiju episode? I'm really trying. <laughs> so uh. we'll, it, just wait till we see. Oh, Lord. Don't even listen to the next episode. It's, it, it's ostensibly going to be about the Godfather. It's going to be about Pacific Rim. No, well, let me get it all in my system now. All right. Uh, one of our favorite actors we've talked about many times before, Idris Elba, is going to be in Pacific Rim. The star of the Hellboy movies. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman. Yeah, he is, uh, he's got a cameo in these. I, I see he's him. in the trailer. Is, yeah. it, is it just a cameo? It might be more. He's, he's, he's listed, his name's listed in the credits as they flash the, on the trailer. So okay. he might have a larger role than just a cameo. This is like his but fifth movie with Guillermo del Toro, isn't he's it? He's his Bobby De Niro. Okay. Or his Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay with the times, man. Anyways, uh, Idris Elba, he plays a character named Striker Pentecost. <laughs> is that on his birth certificate? Do you think? I think so. Okay. Striker Pentecost. That that's a rocking name. Yeah. Is that was that Ron Perlman or Idris Elba? Idris Elba. Okay. That's his name. He's um, he's the director of the the giant robot. Yeah. I, I, the Jaegers. Yes, the Jaegers. The uh, I think it's the PBSD. I think it's called. Mm. Oh, I I need you to... know more about it than I do. Yeah, anyways, I I got the uh, comic book prequel to this, and he has a, this interesting line uh, in the trailers. 
they have they show him over and over screaming, "We are canceling the apocalypse." You know. Yes, so, I've seen that. It, and he takes that a little further. The you know Guillermo del Toro. He he actually wrote the um, the comic book, and and uh, his character in the comic has this line: uh, "When the last trumpet sounds and the beast rises from the pit, we will kill it." <laughs> <laughs> so. It's it's interesting we have a rash of movies. We we could probably write a book on just all the movies about the end of the world that come out this yes, year. I know. And <laughs> and half of them are supposed to be silly. Yeah. Like this is the end and Rapture Palooza. Only yeah. one of which I've heard is any good. Yeah. And then there's We're, we're still probably uh, going to have to do an episode on like yeah. a, a Rapture roundup. Yeah. I c- part we, 2. Yeah, we're we're working on a book right now. That could be our second book where we just <laughs> We could look at you know all all the end of the world movies yeah. we can do Left Behind and maybe by that time the second Left Behind, the the Left Behind reboot I mean will be coming out. And you know what we have to call this book, right? And we feel fine. <laughs> That's right. I, I was going to try and work it in there. <laughs> the, the end of the world in parentheses as we know it. But I like yours better. It's a little more subtle. So. What's our final judgment on the Hellboy movies? It has as much to do with religion as Thor. <laughs> but they're they're both pretty decent and there are worse ways to kill an afternoon. So yes. if you like Ron Perlman or Guillermo del Toro or, you know, comic book movies or visually striking movies or action movies, funny movies, check out Hellboy and Hellboy 2. You can do worse. Yes. I like the first one better. And and two weeks go see Pacific Rim. Or rented if you're listening to this a year from now. <laughs> or you can come over to my house and watch it. I'm gonna have it's it gonna be on. on. <laughs> I'm gonna have it on a continual loop. I'm just gonna pop into my Blu ray player, hit repeat, this and is never a, turn it off. This is the last episode of Checking the Gate because Robert will never leave either a movie theater or his couch ever again. Except maybe to see the Godzilla movie when it comes out next year. Yeah. So, Robert, what are you going to do tonight? We are canceling the apocalypse! The same thing we do every night, <laughs> Pinky. Watch Pacific Rim. All right. Well, I think it's time to go to TV Corner. Yes, and I have a lot to say. Right, so uh, today's TV series that we're covering is the likely canceled, even though we have no definitive word on it, Save Me, starring Anne Hesch, the first Lois and Clark, Jimmy Olsen, Michael Landis, and in a supporting role, even though he was in every episode and might as well have been a series regular, Diedrich Bader, That's who, who was arguably the funniest thing about this show. Yeah, he played it straight, but he was still Yes, that, and that was brilliant. That he 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 knew this was a paycheck, yeah. so he just he he did every line straight, um, except for the argument he was in with his wife. That was yeah. brilliant. I thought that's not my Asian voice. I'm not I'm not gonna do it here. But but they they, they actually they that went funny. they went a little further than I yeah. thought they would. Yeah, he's married to an Asian American on the show. Yes. And, 
they were getting a little petty in their argument. Yes, <laughs> and and it was brilliantly performed by Mr. Bader, I yeah. thought, because he he actually does the voices she's referring yeah. to, and yeah, my my kids have been watching Batman: Brave and the Bold, and I didn't realize he did the voice for yeah, Batman that's on that. Him. I I never watched that show because it's every, a little silly. It's a little silly, and when I heard him on it, all I could think of was. Watch out for your cornhole, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh, that's right. That's an office space reference. We have yet to do office space on the podcast. Yeah. Well, maybe when my laptop breaks down, we'll take it back and go (laughs) office space on it. When I worked at Blockbuster, I had to get a new printer. I said, well, do you want me to send the old one back? And... The tech guy literally said this, and I quote verbatim, you could take it out back and go office space on it. <laughs> nice. I was like, yes. Anyways. All right, so the first thing I was disappointed in about this show. Well, um, maybe we should give <laughs> oh, a rundown yes. first. All right, a, a woman who's a hard partier, a drinker, drug abuser, party girl, her husband is cheating on her, her daughter is smoking pot and is a wild child. Uh, one day she comes home, she's drunk, she chokes on a sandwich, and then hears God, and God essentially drags her kicking and screaming into changing her life and making her a better person. And that's the show. That's the show. That's literally all seven episodes. Except for the choking on the sandwich. That only happens in the first one. Yeah. It doesn't keep happening. It happens in the pilot. and then, okay. I, I think we get it. All right, so, <laughs> so the first thing I was disappointed in, the show's called Save Me. And the theme song was not by Remy Zero. <laughs> All right, yeah, no, uh, they already I've, used that. I've been sa- I've I've been saving that joke for like two weeks. <laughs> no, I immediately noticed that, and th- this isn't. I I genuinely didn't like the show. However, this is not why I disliked the show. It, I didn't think it was very good, but I thought that the whole premise was an unabashed ripoff of the far superior, and I'm not even kidding when I say that, the far superior My Name is Earl. I loved My Name is Earl. I watched every episode when it was on, and I rewatched them on Netflix. The concept of My Name is Earl is almost identical. And keep in mind, this came out five or, no, more than that. It ran for four seasons, and it's been off for a couple seasons now. Yeah. Earl is a down-on-his-luck loser, steals, finds a winning lottery ticket one day, and gets hit by a car. And through watching an episode of Last Call with Carson Daly while he's in the hospital, comes to believe that karma is shaping his destiny. And he sets out to be a better person and amend all the wrongs he's he did before he had this revelation. And... Along with that is a town and a cast of colorful characters around him, including his brother, his parents, a lot of recurring guest stars, some of which were famous, some of which were just interesting characters on the show that would pop up every now and then. Well, uh, they got they got really good character actors yes, to, yes. to come back. Yeah. It was funny. Every episode was yeah. funny. Maybe not the coma episodes. Oh, yeah. There were only three or four of those, but it was too many. But Save Me just came off as a not-funny rip-off of My Name is Earl 
And the biggest problems were, A, she wasn't in the least repentant. She felt like she was being forced into being better. And it made her unlikable, I thought. And and toward the end, toward episode 7, she was a little more willing to, to do this for God, but still was talking back to him. Yeah. And I didn't like that. Second, I just didn't think it was funny. I think the only thing I laughed, the only things I laughed at was like a random honey boo boo reference that the daughter made. I, I just for whatever reason I, I busted out at that. I, I don't know because I think honey boo boo is trash and <laughs> it, it, it came out of left field and I, I love random non sequiturs. Yeah. Uh, and an appearance by in the same episode together by Mad TV veterans uh, Michael McDonald and Deborah Wilson. I think Michael McDonald directed a couple episodes. Really? Yeah. That's what he does now. Ah. That's his thing. He directs comedy or sitcom episodes. So it was yeah. good to see them again. And I, I like that. Yeah. And I think of the seven, I think that was the one I liked, liked the most. I, I guess that's all I have to say. I, I didn't cotton to it. And I don't care if it comes back. I won't be watching any more of it. See, if it does come back, I will be watching it. And I'll tell you why. I do agree the the jokes could have been better. Some of the situations were very predictable. Like when, uh, I think it was like the second episode, her husband's mistress is standing outside waving. No, that's the first one. That's, that's the pilot. The first, yeah. Okay, she's waving a, a, a metal, golf club. Yeah, in the air. And of course she gets struck by lightning. Yeah, of, and, yeah. You know, and it's predictable. She's in the hospital, she wakes up, and then she doesn't remember anything that happened. Yeah, she doesn't remember the affair she had with the husband. Yeah, so it only he gets off on... scot-free. Yeah. I'll tell you why I liked it. Maybe first I'll, I'll, I'll give you an opinion of someone else who didn't like it and and rebut this. And this, I, I agree with some of your things on the show. And, I'll, and I will chalk that up to it being a new show with only seven episodes under its belt. Usually a series needs some time. Like, if you look at any, like, first season of... Uh, the Walking Dead had six fantastic first season episodes. Okay. How about the first season of Next Gen, all right? Next Gen didn't really get good until season three, all right? I will concede that the Next Generation's first season was not typical of its eventual quality. Yeah. Four seasons of Enterprise. It didn't go anywhere. <laughs> Uh, that that <laughs> that show did get better. It, the yeah. fourth season, I went back and watched the fourth season. That was good. Actually, season two is the worst. Yeah, I, that's when I one is watching. one is okay. Three and four are all right. Anyways, my point is, this show needed a little more time, I think, to really find its legs, and it was starting to get there at the seven. Once you see where it was going by that last episode, you could see where it could keep going. That's like saying a uh, good movie needs. A, a good three and a half hours to get warmed up. That's what Peter Jackson says. Yes, it is. <laughs> God help me. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, hey, if it works for Peter Jackson, it works It works for me, too. So that extended version of King Kong must be good, then. It needed another three and a half hours. <laughs> It needed another half hour to make it good, because the the three hours I saw weren't. Anyways, uh, in researching this, I saw a, um, a website from One Million Moms, 
And I had not really been familiar with this group. Apparently, they like to boycott things. <laughs> yeah, that, they're that they're one of them. they're one of those. And a lot of things offend them. Yes. And I'm not going to read you the whole thing, but you know, they call for their their prose is you know a, a little delightful. They say uh, the previews alone for Save Me can make believers sick to their stomachs with the blasphemous content in episodes with names like. WWJD, Born Again, Beth the Prophet, and The Book of Beth. The show is a new drama that digs up sins from the characters' past that lead to scandal. This um, okay, they're, they're, it's not supposed to be a drama. They missed that. It, well, they missed a lot of things. Yeah. Only to have the holier-than-thou character come along and play God. One, she doesn't consider herself holier-than-thou, um, and when she does, in the last episode, God calls her all on that. And um, she doesn't try to play God. She's trying to do what God tells her to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character, Beth, is the complete opposite of a saint. She never claims to be a saint, having lived a terrible life and always treated others badly. It goes on, it explains here. Um, this is just what they got from the previews. Right, just from the previews. Um, the network makes her appear to be a holy angel, while including crude humor and distasteful dialogue. They never... I, I never got the... Th- the point that she was trying to be a holy angel. She was trying to be a better person. Uh, like Earl, trying to make her life better. This character constantly refers to God as he-she, which is extremely disrespectful. Because, in they explain this in one of the episodes, she hears a gender-neutral voice and can't tell if it's male or female. Right. And if you really study your theology, you understand that God created man in his image. Man meeting humankind, meaning male and female, are just males in God's image? No. Females are in God's image, too. Well, how Uh, can that be? uh, Unless God looks like... Well, never mind. (laughs) What, an old white guy with a beard? That wasn't what I was going to say. Is that the the respectful image that they're looking for? Uh, You know, they go on about, like, the bad things that happen. And, you know, they're looking for a show that is sanitized yeah. and boring. They want it to be like it would have been back in the 60s or 50s. And, and here's the part that I find most disturbing. They say Beth, the most unlikely person, attempts to fix everything in men relationships since God supposedly talks to her and has chosen her. Yeah, they obviously didn't watch the show yeah. because it was clear that God actually was talking to her. Yeah, That was never in doubt. Yeah, Maybe it would have been a better show if it was in doubt. Well, obviously the audience would have known. Yeah, But then when God then, shows yeah. up in the last episode yeah. and says, I've been with you the whole time. I, I, I think, one, they didn't watch the show. They, and two, if they watched the show and watched it in their entirety with an open mind, they would have gotten what I got out of it. Or they would have found more valid reasons to judge it like I did. Yeah. Either way, they're <laughs> they're off base. Well, they say the show's disgusting attempt to portray how the lost sea believers only leads to gossip, belittling the Christian faith and poking fun at those trying to do the right thing. Well, I I totally disagree with every bit of that last statement <laughs> because it's not a disgusting attempt to portray how lost sea believers. I think it's the way that the lost would like to see believers. And I'll tell you why. Beth is an unlikely person. 
to hear the voice of God. Because if you look throughout the Bible, everyone who God talks to is the most unlikely person. Yep. Turn to uh, Judges and look at Gideon. He's the seventh son of a seventh son, the least in the pecking order. He's not getting any inheritance. He's not an important person at all. Yet God chooses him to lead the Jewish people against the Philistines and drive them out of the country. And he does that. The least likely person. Amos is a prophet of God, basically a hick from hick country, comes into the city and says, unless you change your ways, God's going to destroy the city. And I'll tell you why, because you guys are fat, lazy, you're living off other people's money, and uh, you're going to pay for this. That's what happens. Moses, he was raised as a prince of Egypt, murders a guy, covers it up, and then runs away, and then God chooses him to lead these people out of Egypt. So the guy's basically an Egyptian. <laughs> you know, maybe he's a Hebrew by birth, but raised as an Egyptian. You know, a murderer, and yet God always uses the least likely people. And they feel that this person, because they're, they're, they don't go to church and they're not a Christian, that they don't deserve to have God talk to them. Well, I tell you what, none of us deserve to have God talk to us because we're all like Beth. We might put on airs that we're important people and that we are we're good people. We follow all the rules and stuff, but the scriptures tell us that all have fallen short of the grace of God and none of us deserve this, you know, but it's because God always works through the least likely, you know, the poor in spirit. You know, blessed are they, Jesus says. You know, look look at Jesus, you know, when he came, people were expecting the king of kings, you know, someone who's going to rise in political power and kick out the Romans and do all the stuff and rule the world. But he was born at a bunch of dirty animals in a barn. <laughs> he uh, was basically a crazy street preacher going from town to town, telling them that the world's going to end. All right. <laughs> and then to add insult to injury, he just dies. They kill him. Sucks. Least likely. But the good news is he was actually the son of God and he came back to life and he gives us the hope the hope that Beth brings to all the people in her neighborhood. And so I, I don't see how that belittles the Christian faith. It may be poking fun at those who are trying to do the right thing, but uh, the people who are trying to do the right thing in the wrong way. Because Beth, she might not have all the details right. She might not have a theological degree and know uh, everything that, you know, all the rules that are listed in Leviticus and follow them and do everything that you're supposed to do when you go to church and be a, a church person. But she showers her friends and her family with love when she hadn't done that before. And God is working in her life to help her do that. And a lot of the things that that I found funny were things that I identified with in, in my walk of faith that she was doing. Like the one part, it was the beginning of either the sixth or seventh episode. She was thinking to herself, uh, you know, I, I wonder who we can get to help us save the hospital. And then she heard in her head, God told her, go look in the mirror. So I went and looked in the mirror for 25 minutes. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he's talking about me. You know, so it, Sometimes it takes us that long to re- like when we read a scripture or we really feel that like God is putting a message on our heart like you should go into ministry or something. It takes you that long to figure it out. 
<laughs> 25 minutes sometimes is a short time. <laughs> you know, sometimes it takes us our whole lives to figure out uh, some very simple truth that God's trying to teach us. And um, that that came through in the last couple minutes where Orlando Jones actually takes on the form of God and is talking to Ann Hayes and he's like, he's talking about Dietrich Bader and he's like, he goes on to do pro bono work. They show him giving flu shots and stuff and he's like, and he says to, to Beth, I've been working on him so long to do this. So I identified with those, the a lot of the little things that happen, the way she relates to God is the way I mean, if you really have that relationship with God, you, you you understand those things, you recognize those things, and you see the way she fails is, you know, the way that I failed, and the way that God has really gently picked me up and brought me back and said, okay, here we go, now you've learned your lesson, now let's try and do this. So I, I found this to be a truer depiction of Christian faith than other shows which claim to do that, like, touched by an angel or highway to heaven where they they show a a person who really knows nothing about God really learning who he is and coming to an understanding and getting the true message and really understanding it and following that and not just trying to follow the rules because if you want to be religious and follow the rules anyone can do that Muslims do that Jewish people do that Hindus do that if you want to be a Christian and follow the rules you can do that too but it's it's a shallow faith. I'll be honest. I'm still struggling with this myself on how to really, uh, you know, kind of break out of my comfort zone and do the things that God's really calling me to do and not just, you know, talk about it on a podcast. <laughs> you know, to really live out my faith and to be an example of his love to the world. And that's a hard thing to do. And that's the things that Beth was trying to do. And the comedy in the show comes from her trying to do that, not really getting it and falling down and failing. And maybe that's why they find it offensive, the the One Million Moms. But um, I, I found it uh, very comforting. Did you notice it was supposed to take place in and around Northeast Ohio? Yes, And they I got did. all the details wrong, except the word Cuyahoga. Yeah. Every other detail is wrong. Well, there is an Ohio Ballet. Oh, is there? There is an Ohio Ballet. See, I didn't know that. I, I didn't pick it up to like the last couple episodes when she said that it's pretty subtle. The Cuyahoga County, yeah, this thing, well, yeah, which doesn't exist. No, it, they were making that up. But uh, there's no such thing as a stop and cough, had, which they, was a stupid name. Yeah, they had to make some stuff up. I but, guess. But there is an Ohio Ballet. Um, there is no Channel Four in the Greater Cleveland area. Oh, that's right. Well, they couldn't if they did three, five, or eight. They'd be in trouble. They could have licensed it. Well, well, NBC is Channel Three in in our area, yeah. So they, that would have been too meta. I think. I guess I don't know. It just it. <laughs> every time they mentioned it, it took me out of it because I I never for a second thought that it wasn't Southern California where they were. <laughs> there was way too much sunshine on the show for it to actually be Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. Well, there's one episode where it rained. That was a plot, oh. that was a plot point. But, yeah, it should have been more episodes. Yeah. Because <laughs> it rains more than one day out of yeah. seven in Ohio. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Yeah. So your, your final that's... judgment on Save Me. 
appropriately you use the words final judgment. <laughs> um, I I hope all the crew members find work again very quickly. <laughs> yeah, we need to see Dietrich Bader on more TV. I shows. was thinking like the boom guys and the grips. And <laughs> <laughs> they probably already moved on. I, but you know, if, if by some miracle. Yeah, it does come back. I, I'd be willing to watch more episodes. I because because I found yeah. these ones very enlightening and um, entertaining, and I could I could commiserate with Beth a little bit. So I could if, not. If the million moms think that makes me a horrible person, then I I have a question. What's that? Uh, what did the one million moms call themselves before they had one million? <laughs> they had a, a a running ticker on their things. <laughs> we 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 can't officially incorporate until our membership <laughs> hits this alliterative device. <laughs> uh, oh, you guys are less than a million. Yeah, I'm suing you for false advertising. What what else don't they like? Is there like a list of of things oh, they think is it's bad? It's like everything. They tried to get the Modern Family off the air. It has two gay guys. Gay guys can't be moms. You know, they write in not only to the TV show, but to the producers. Have, was, they, have they succeeded in getting anything off the air? Uh, I know. It's hard to tell because, you know, some of these shows are just bad. I mean, yeah. You know, like, you know, if no one watched Save Me, if we're the only two people who watched it, then obviously it's not going to be renewed. And it has nothing to do with uh, the letter-writing campaign to the... Um, to the network or the, um, the the program sponsors. It has nothing to do with that. And interestingly enough, I was just reading this book called Behind the Screen. It's uh, like one of those essay anthologies. Um, mm-hmm. The one I was reading was saying, you know, if you want change to happen, if you don't agree with something, you know, write into the networks and also to the program sponsors. Uh, but don't write in and say, I hate your show and I'm never going to watch it anymore. I want you to take it off the air. Because the people who write the shows, who read that, they take those things and check them out because, well, if you're not going to watch them a show, why do I need to change it for you? Mm-hmm. So, And that's what these uh, million moms try and do. They're not getting anywhere with what they, they try and do. Yeah, let's not, let's not waste any more time on them. Okay, you're right. They're not listening to this <laughs> anyway. They've, they've boycotted it. So, yeah, the... Uh, the essay was called uh, Changing the Channels by Dean Batali. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a good book. There's a chapter by Craig Detweiler who's written a bunch of other books. Um, I was telling Mike about that before. There's one I've referred to before, Why Do Heathens Make the Best Christian Films by Tom Parham. I've noted that on the show before. So, yeah, Barbara Nicolosi, who's also written um, several books. Um, her husband is um, Robert K. Johnston, and I, I think they co-wrote a book together. You say, I've done my film and religion research. I'm glad someone here has. <laughs> All right. so I watched seven episodes of Save Me. <laughs> well, I, I probably have to dub your pages for that, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for next time... We have an epic special. I don't know when we're going to find the time to... <laughs> Go through all this because it's a lot of hours. So yeah. uh, maybe maybe we'll uh, we'll give a little extension and we'll we'll record this one in either it's today's the last day of June, so maybe we'll record in early August or something. Yeah. Um, uh, the Godfather trilogy 
is our yeah. movie. And in TV Corner, the 10-part, 20-hour with commercials, The Bible. Yes, the, the Mark Burnett and Roma Downey production that just aired on a bunch of different channels that are all owned by the same parent company. Yeah. There's parts I like, and there's parts I don't like, so just watch the parts you like. So, But I haven't seen it, so how would I know? Well, you know, just pick and choose. That's what that's what everyone okay. else does. <laughs> I'll watch the first one and then yeah. base <laughs> do the whole episode based on the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, Jesus shows up? <laughs> Paul only gets like half an episode. Jesus gets like three and a half. I don't think that's fair. Paul wrote more of and the New Testament than Jesus did. <laughs> <laughs> and Robert just got struck by lightning, ladies and gentlemen. Wait a minute. Uh, Jesus didn't write the whole Bible? Only till he I'm died. Sorry. Then they had to have someone come in and finish it, like uh, <laughs> like the Wheel of Time. <laughs> or like Moses. Uh, he's supposed to have written all the five books of the Torah, including his uh, the account of his own death. He That's penned, a neat trick. He, he penned that from the grave. So yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to get struck by lightning. I'm going to no. get stoned by all my <laughs> yeah. friends when I go back to church. So yeah, uh, I'm going to go upstairs and <laughs> start his... start watching uh, three, six, nine, twenty nine hours of content <laughs> for the next episode. Well, you told me you're skipping Godfather. 3. I might skip Godfather three. We'll we'll see. I like Godfather three. You know, I think it would have been better. I agree with um, Francis Ford Coppola when he said the third one should have been called the death of. Michael Corleone. So it would only have been that two minutes at the end, and then yeah. it was over? Yeah. And none of that other well, junk it, in the middle? It Take out Sofia Coppola, and I think he got a good movie. I like... Okay, we'll save this argument for next week. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a taste of what's to come. Yeah. Interesting note, I went out and bought Godfather 1 and 2 separately, and then Robert gifted me when his blockbuster was closing Godfather Part 3 with the bonus disc. So I, you had to have the whole thing. I, it, it's apparently paying off now. <laughs> and, and then I made the mistake of watching it. <laughs> so it is it is the Godfather movie I have seen most recently. Well, the bonus disc is cool. The, the bonus disc is okay, yeah. In all honesty, I really bought it for you for that. I, I am happy to have that. <laughs> I was I was not expecting that when, when you told so. me that you had got me the third one. Until next time, you can catch us on Twitter. Well, and I'd like to give a shout-out to all the new followers we have on Twitter. Since last time, we've had uh, loads more people sign into our Twitter feed. Uh, so we hope you guys are all listening in. Today, we have Parker Wendell, Paramore UK, Classic Star Wars, Anita Matthias, Chokey Ricardo, Dan Wallace, Scars on 45, one of my favorite bands, woohoo! Sarah Pulliam Bailey, Amos Smith, Chicks and Flicks, Star Wars Fanbase, Real Theology, Godspeed Institute, and Adam Smith. So welcome to the Twitter family of CTG Podcast. Yeah, word. And to my followers. I, I keep getting new Twitter followers from somewhere. So I hope it's from here. Cool. Yeah. At CTG Podcast is Robert. At Michael M. Patty is me. And also you can follow us on Facebook. Facebook slash CTG Podcast. Go to our website, ctgpodcast.com. Hey, if if you like our podcast and you listen to it, share it with your friends on Facebook. You know, we'd like to have some more listeners. So we thank you, our twelve disciples, <laughs> our regular downloaders who listen to us. We commission you to go out and spread the word of CTG podcast. Yes. <laughs> now the thunder and lightning is going to start coming. <laughs> 
we're, we're not charging for this. Go ahead and, you know. It's free. It's, it's okay. It's it's okay to ask for more listeners since we're not charging. <laughs> and to end our show, we're going to have a special tune at the end. This should appeal to a Michael Landis character, uh, Tom on Save Me, who's married to Beth Harper, the, the main character there. It's a song by the Tragically Hip entitled Reformed Baptist Blues. And I think you get the idea. So enjoy. And until next time, this is Robert saying uh, keep the faith. And this is Mike saying peace out. Screwed around the other guys, God, I ain't no freak.